Get ready to move from ordinary to extraordinary, natural to supernatural, with Radical Change Ministries. Father God, we just thank you. I just love these guys, and I'm just so excited just to know that I'm part of this great family. And, you know, I want you to realize, and I think I can more Afrikaans praat, but maybe Afrikaans is a I've been away from South Africa too long. So I'm starting to learn because I was almost there in the, in the Karua and I started to hear that people couldn't speak English very lacquer. So I just started to get back. I had to go into my fighting cabinet and find some Afrikaans words. And so um, I'm really excited about this house. And you need to know as the church family here that you actually are part of what we're doing globally. Amen. You actually are partakers, you are partners of what we are doing globally around the world. So this church here, you may just say, well, you know, Radical Change Ministries, yeah, in the middle of nowhere, but you're not in the middle of nowhere. You're actually connected to an apostle that's connected to a great ministry in Charleston, and we travel all around the world. And so I want to encourage you, amen. Then I want to just welcome some dear, dear, dear friends, um, Hermin and, and David, uh, Van der Berg, and uh, I'm so delighted that they're in, um, and he's, he's got a great legacy on his life, and I've been watching you and seeing what God's doing with you around the world, and it's just amazing that God is using you to touch people and touch villages and touch amazing cultures around the world. It's so awesome to see, and then they brought their friend with them, and so it's a real honor to have you here as well, and so um, I just, I want to tell you, how many of you sense and I, I really want us to get a sense of this is not going to be just an ordinary weekend of knowledge. Amen. Come on. God is bringing the church into a place of accountability. God wants the bride to become a church. She's actually a glorious bride, but we've been acting like we're not a glorious bride. And so God wants to bring us into this place where we understand our responsibility. We understand that there's a calling on us. So God wants to move the church from membership to kingdomship. Amen. Come on. So this is not the right place if you're just looking for membership. You've got to realize that this house represents the kingdom of God. And we want to get you into this place where you can be trained and mentored and discipled so that you can go out into all the world. Currently, we are in 56 nations. I oversee over 200 and something churches around the world. We have many sons and daughters that are part of our discipleship program. And we have seen how churches have exploded when they understand their assignment. Amen. So tonight, I want to speak about your assignment. I'm going to speak about why you actually born again. What happened in your life when you got saved? And I want us to go to Jonah because I'm going to speak about Jonah tonight. I want to speak out of Jonah. And I want to speak about the fact that we are the ecclesia on the earth. Now, if I say something you like, just say amen. amen. Wave your hanky. Amen. Say, we are the ecclesia of God. What does that actually mean? It means you're the government of God on the earth. You are the government of God on the earth. God has raised up an ecclesia. The ecclesia is the separated ones, the called out ones that are now the government on the earth. We represent government on the earth. 
You are the government of God. I'm not beholden to a natural government. Although I submit to a natural government because I'm I'm a law-abiding citizen, so I abide by the laws of the land. But I don't give my allegiance to a natural government. My allegiance belong to the kingdom. Amen. And so when we get saved, all of us in this room are converts. The moment you get saved, you're a convert, not a convict. You're a convert. But then what happens is you align yourself with the family of God. You find yourself a Bible-believing, full gospel, demon-destroying, spirit-filled church. And then you become part of that family. Amen. And then they start mentoring. And then you move from um, um, being a convert. You move to become a disciple. Say, I'm a disciple. But then you start moving from being a disciple. You move to become a leader. And we start seeing leadership on you and gifting on you and anointing on you. And then you start receiving assignments. And this is an assignment. Amen. Come on. Say, I'm on assignment. So you've got to understand, we're trying to move you from just wanting to receive all the time to actually wanting to give. Amen. So you're going to start moving into your assignment. And this church, I'm prophesying now over this church. This church will have a global impact. This church will send people globally. So you've got to start getting positioned. Because we know how to gather people, but we've done a bad job how to send people. And what happens when you get frustrated people, they instead of them being sent, they just went. And we don't want anybody wenting. We want to be sending people under the authority of God, being commissioned, being launched. And so tonight I want to speak about the importance of knowing your assignment and understanding where your Nineveh is. Where is your Nineveh? Because all of us sitting here tonight will receive a Nineveh assignment. And I want to read this story as a prophetic story to you because this is one of the most prophetic stories or the most prophetic parts of the word that I've used in a long time because as I read Jonah, God just said to me, many of my people, many of my sons and daughters have lost their way to Nineveh. Hello? In other words, God's given you an assignment and you heard something else and you just went in the opposite direction or you rebelled or you got into um, anger or you, whatever it is that took you off the course, God says, I'm happy to get you back on course. It's not how you start this race, it's how you end this race. Because I know that when I started, I was a rebel, I was disobedient, I was a neo-Nazi, I was everything that you didn't want me to be in your church. That's how I started. But God's grace came on me, set me free, brought me back into alignment, and set me on the course that He intended for me to go. Because there are many people that will not fulfill destiny because they don't understand the importance of assignment. Don't just be content with being born again. 
I meet a lot of people and say, well, brother, I'm going to heaven. Yes, we're all going to go to heaven, but you've got to be, understand that you are so well put together. You are so well created by God that He's put His Spirit inside of you. And every single one of you represent the kingdom of heaven. But besides the fact that you created in His image and His likeness, He's actually given all of us sitting here an assignment. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. Romans chapter 8, all of creation, say that, all of creation, not just Vit Bank. All of creation groans for the longing, for the revealing of the sons of God. I travel all around the world and I'm sure you see it. I don't see a lot of people moving. It's like very specific people travel around specific places because it's comfortable. And I'm telling you, some of you are going to start receiving assignments. Some of you become really comfortable. If this nation's going to turn around for the kingdom of heaven, I want to tell you, you've got to know where your Nineveh is. So let's have a look in Jonah. And I'm just going to read a couple of verses on page 1028. I'm reading out of the Amplified Bible. It says, now the word of the Lord came. And I'm telling you right now that there's an Elijah mantle resting on the earth. Let me say it again. There's an Elijah mantle resting on the earth. And the word of the Lord is coming. But it's not just going to be some nice, goody-woody, sugar-coated prophetic word that, you know, people say to me, oh, who am I going to marry? If you don't know who you're going to marry right now, just join Harmony.com. They'll help you. See, we have reduced the prophetic into something that's become palatable to us and we don't receive from the prophets because we just want to receive everything that's nice and cool and God is about to read some of your mail. Because we don't preach that. We say, oh, well, you know, God's not going to, you know, God's not going to read your mail. God is going to read your mail. God is going to pull that stuff out of you that doesn't need to be there. And then God's going to fill you with supernatural insight, wisdom and understanding so that you can get on track and you can run in your lane and you can fulfill your assignment so that when you get to heaven, that you will be told good and well, good and well, what's the word? Good. Good and faithful servant, amen. Come on, you'll get there and he'll say, Good and faithful servant, you have what? You have run the race. And so, yeah, we are. Yes, Jonah, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But it says, but Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord. Now, Tarshish, let me tell you about Tarshish. Tarshish was, is modern day Spain. And all they had in those days in Spain, it was just a harbor and that's all it was. It was desolate. It was not inhabited. Why would you want to flee from the presence of God? There's a lot of people that are receiving words from heaven, but they are thinking about the discomfort. They're thinking about all the things that are going wrong. They're thinking about their this and their that, and they are moving away from assignments that God's giving. How many of you know that there are downloads from heaven, unclaimed downloads from heaven, because we don't want to be in the presence of God? Church, listen to me. 
I can tell you right now, in America, in Australia, in England, there are churches there that have swapped the presence of God for comfort. They call seeker-friendly churches. We don't want to speak about the blood. We're not going to speak about the crucifixion. We're not going to speak about sin, but we'll make you feel comfortable. You've got to start a way up your assignment. Where is your Nineveh? What has God been speaking about your Nineveh? Where is your mission field? Where is your ministry field? Where is Where are you going to going to ignite somebody else? What is your expression going to be? What is the prophetic responsibility that you carry? What is the evangelist? Are you guys getting what I'm saying tonight? We've got to start to weigh up all these things. And we've got to start to choose for such a time as this. I was created for such a time of this. And this man, it says, but Jonah fled. He rose up to flee to, from, um, to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as the prophet. This place should be packed with people because they came in contact with you. There's, there's something about your life that needs to be so attractive that people just can't leave you alone. But the problem is what's happened in today's society, we have become a consumer church, a consumer congregation. We're not producing. And I'm telling you, we are living in a season, I'm telling you tonight, there is an assignment over this church that God's going to release and it's going to set things in motion that is going to bring in revival. It's going to bring, this is a harvester. He flees from the presence of God. And he found a ship, and it says here, and it, it says, let me read this whole thing. It says, but Jonah rose up to flee to, to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord as his prophet and went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish, the most remote of the Phoenician trading places then known. So he paid the appointed fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from being in the presence of the Lord. How come this guy was happy to pay 10 bucks to get on a ship to go into the opposite direction from where God was going to send him? So you've got to start to ask God, where is my, where is my Nineveh? Am I in Tarshish or am I in Nineveh? Am I on the wrong ship or am I on the right ship? Am I in the right church or am I in the wrong church? Am I in the right city? Am I in the wrong city? You've got to start to make those decisions. We are living in the greatest season of evangelism that we'll ever see in our lifetime. We are seeing more people getting saved. And I'm telling you right now, I remember in 1995 when God spoke to me in my office. I was living in Fushuk in Cape Town. I was sitting in my office and God started to speak to me. It was 1994. I'd been in full-time ministry for four years. I went into full-time ministry in, in 1991. I think that's when I met you guys in Cape Town when we were at Andre Pelser's church. And God started to speak to me. And he told me, he said, I'm going to give you a Nineveh assignment. And I'm thinking, Lord, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to Musenberg. <laughs> and God started to speak to me. He said, I'm taking you to America to teach you about how the ministry works. And I want you to go not as a prophet. I don't want you to go as an apostle. I don't want you to go as a pastor. I want you to go as a missionary to America. 
And I want you to go and wash the feet of that nation. And I'm thinking, Lord, couldn't you just send me to, to Malalan? Why America? And I'm thinking, God, how am I going to get there? God says, I have made a way for you to get there. If you step up by faith, you will get there. That was my Nineveh call. And I believe that even tonight and this week, some of you are going to start to get a Nineveh call. You're going to start to sense the call and the purpose and the conviction of the Holy Spirit again like you first had when you first got saved. Come on, church. I'd rather be cold than lukewarm. I'd rather be either very hot, like red hot, white hot, blue hot, or really, really cold. But you've got to come out of that lukewarm mentality where you just want to come into this house looking for something or needing something. I need, I need. Give me, give me, give me. My name's Jimmy. You've got to get out of that mindset and you've got to get into a mindset and say, God, here I am. I'm being positioned. I'm going to position myself because I've been listening to you guys preach. And let me tell you right now something. You've been getting, you have been getting meat. Yeah, everybody say amen. amen. You have been getting meat here. You haven't been getting fruit salad yet. Meat, 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 meat. When she speaks, it's like curry, and when he speaks, it's like oxtail. Say, giri curry, and I giri sauce. So you're not getting just mediocre, watered down stuff. They are passionate about what they carry. And you ought, as the congregation, as the people that are part of this family, you should be carrying some of that DNA already. So when the Nineveh comes, that call of Nineveh comes, that you can say, okay, is my Nineveh business? Is my Nineveh the hospitals? Is my Nineveh the, the what is my Nineveh? Is it the school? Is it, is it just, what is it? Is it the nations? God, is it Vitbank? What is my Nineveh? I want to find out what my Nineveh is because I don't want to miss the mark. I don't want to miss the moment. And there's a lot of people in, in life, in church that miss the moment. They missed, the, they missed the turn off. Stop waiting for the rapture. We're all waiting for the rapture. No, you've got to get back in the vineyard and you've got to start to steward the vineyard of the kingdom, which is his people. And you've got to say, okay, am I on the right ship or the wrong ship? Because listen to what happens. It says he pays, he pays a fare and went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from being in the presence of God. Verse four, but the Lord sent out a great wind upon the sea and there was a violent tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken. Let me just stop there for a second. For too long, when we, when we experience adversity or we experience opposition, we blame the devil. And let me tell you, we need to start to stop and listen whether we are being disobedient. Because disobedience brings us into a place of strife and chaos. Let me say that again. Disobedience creates chaos. And right now, some of you may be experiencing all sorts of sea stuff. It's turbulent, the waves, the wind, there's opposition. You've got to say, okay, God, I know that this is not the devil. Maybe I'm a Jonah. Maybe I'm running. Maybe I'm on the wrong ship. 
And the problem is, you know, I used to pastor for 13 years, and we had a fantastic church in Australia. We, we built that church with four people in the beginning in my lounge room, and in three and a half years, we had 680 people. But I'm going to tell you, in those 12 years, 13 years that I pastored, I, I, I started to recognize when as a church, everything was good, our worship was good, our, fi- our finances were good, the preaching was good, the presence of God was awesome. And then sometimes you get like this little chaotic thing going on. And I started to recognize, oh, I've got a Jonah in the ship. Because Jonah's on the ship running from Nineveh will bring chaos to your life. Somebody say Amen. Come on. In your business, suddenly something, there's gossip and there's all sorts of malicious stuff and people are doing all sorts of, you don't, you got to recognize, I wonder if we've got a Jonah here. Hey, are you a Jonah? Should you be going to Nineveh? You're sitting on our ship and you're actually bringing unnecessary chaos. Maybe it doesn't apply to this church. Maybe the church up there. Amen. Because there's, there's all this stuff. Then the mar- mariners, listen to what happens. We're afraid. I'm gonna show you what else happens when we come out of alignment with God. When we get out of alignment with the Nineveh call, I'll show you what else happens. And this is pretty critical. It says here in verse five, then the mariners were afraid and each man cried to his God and they cast the goods that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. In other words, they started getting rid of, mer- of merchandise and goods. In other words, wealth was starting to be affected by one man's disobedience. Come on, church. That was a big one for me. In other words, disobedience and running from your Nineveh will start to affect your income and your finances. And then suddenly, th- that finance, those goods didn't belong to Jonah. That merchandise didn't belong to Jonah. That merchandise belonged to people that were trading between the two places, between Spain and between Joppa. They were trading and now they were throwing stuff that did not belong to them overboard. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you too many times we get into financial difficulty unnecessarily because we have Jonah's on the ship. If you're going through financial difficulty, I want to tell you, man, I've been in ministry 35 years this year. And there have been times in our life where suddenly the finances dry up because I live by faith. The church doesn't pay me a salary. I'm not on commission. I'm not on some type of underwriting. I live totally by faith. But there's been times where it's like I said to thee, I don't know what's going on. There's no money coming in. Usually there's checks in the mail. The checks aren't coming in. What's going on? And then every now and then God says, <clears throat> I actually sent you to Nineveh and you going to Joppa. Woo. I just want to go to Hillsong. God says, no, I didn't send you to Hillsong. I actually sent you to Egypt. Amen, come on. I remember one day I, got, I was so wanting to go, you know, to Sydney and because I was living in Australia. Oh, I want to go to Sydney and I want to go to this and I want to go to that. And the Lord said, no, I'm sending you to the far north 
of Australia, right up there in the northern part, Arnhem Land, and I'm going to send you up there to the tribes, the, Arnhem, the Aboriginal people. And it's like, God, but you don't understand. It's like three hours, four, four days drive. You know, I have to take all these supplies. I have to go into this hot area. The northern part of Australia, by the way, doesn't go below 38 degrees, summer and winter. And then they have like 100% humidity. Alles friert je op daar. The mosquitoes are big as mirages. They fly in formation. Die krokodille sal jou opvreet. Daar slange daar wat jy nog nie is en jy in jou lewe gesien nie. Daar spinnekoppe daar soos groot soos jou sopborde. I'm serious. I'm saying, God, I want to go, I want to go to Sydney. God says, now I'm sending you to Nineveh. I've got a job. I want you to speak the word of the Lord over a generation of people that are dying. I want you to go up there. I want you to do some stuff up there. And it's like we get into these big arguments. God says, no, I don't want you to marry that person. I don't want you to go to that city. I don't want you to get into that business deal. Oh, but God, I just want to be comfortable. And God says, you're not going to Nineveh. You're actually going to land up in Joppa with no goods on the boat. Are you getting me tonight? And then the supply starts to dry up. And then what happens next, because of disobedience, your anointing starts to dry up. You see, God will allow you to operate in the gift for such a little short while after disobedience has come in. But then he says, ah. And then we keep on preaching and dance it to a stuff. Then it's like, then it's like dust that comes out of our mouth instead of life. And then we start pushing people over. And then we start manipulating people for money. And the, and, the, and the anointing left you like three years ago already. Because you weren't obedient to your Nineveh. Radical ministries could be your Nineveh. This could be your Nineveh. The prayer meetings here could be a Nineveh. The worship meetings could be a Nineveh. This weekend could be a Nineveh encounter for you where you could receive insight and instruction and impartation and your ministry goes to another level. Amen, come on. All God is looking for is obedience. Say obedience. Obedience is better than sacrifice. A few years ago, you know, I never came back to South Africa. I left South Africa in 95. Never came back to South Africa until 2014. All those years. And God started to speak to me. He said, I want you to go back to the land of your birth. Because the revival is in the pressure cooker of my glory. And I'm about to show forth my glory in a nation that looks like an orphan. I'm going to raise up a standard because of the wells that have been planted in this nation. John G. Lake came to this nation. Mighty men of God, David Duplessis started the Pentecostal movement. He was from South Africa. 
Maltari, I sat in Maltari's meeting and he said, and he prophesied in 1988, he prophesied and said, South Africa will become like a zebra that will run black, white and brown together in this nation. And I will cause revival to come, but I'm looking for men and women that will be arsonists of the Holy Spirit again. Don't get lulled into complacency because of a comfort mentality in Christianity. You've got to come back to Nineveh. Get off the ship. Say, God, no, I'm returning to my first love. I'm returning to that place that you ordained for me in this season. God, I want to become part of that company that's going to usher in revival. And this dude's on the ship. People are getting rid of their wealth. They're throwing goods off the ship, throwing stuff off, make the ship light. We've got to do something because there's so much compromise. And now we're just getting rid of the anointing, get rid of the gifts, get rid of everything else. Let's just put on all the comfort. Let's get the smoke machines. Let's get all the things that make people comfortable. And you know what Jonah does? He goes in the bottom of the boat and he starts to sleep. There are sleeper cells in the church let me read it. Maybe this is not even prophetic to you. Maybe this doesn't apply to you. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord tonight. Because this is a prophetic word to the church. I didn't bring any notes. I'm speaking about what God's saying to the church. It says, and Jonah had gone down, this is part of verse 5, had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laying down and was fast asleep. Where was Jonah supposed to be? Where was Jonah supposed to be? Nineveh. What do they know? No slap the booty. Booty beer slap. Not even sleeping on the top of the ship, brother. He's sleeping in the bottom. He probably had a big bag of butter and biltong with him. When I see your face, all I can think of is butter and bolton. And there's Jonah sleeping in the bottom of the boat, sleeping. And the captain of the boat, listen, the captain, the Holy Spirit. Come on, say Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to come on the church. The Holy Spirit needs to come in while you're sleeping. Some of you should be on the deck. Some of you should be on the wall. Some of you should be preaching. And, but some of us are sleeping in the bottom of the boat of the revival, the boat of, of whatever opportunity you're sleeping. And we need to allow the captain, Jesus himself, the host of the heaven armies, to come and wake you up out of your sleep and out of your slumber. Listen. It says, the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call upon your God. Perhaps your God will give a, a thought to us that we not perish. And they each one said, verse 7, another, come, let us cast lots that we may know whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and it fell on Jonah. Tonight, you need to start saying, okay, God, show me. What is it in my life? What is it that's keeping me from the fulfillment of the promises of God? 
What is it, God, that I'll never see that breakthrough? I'm always right up against the breakthrough, and then I have to take 10 steps back. What is it, God? What is it that causes me to lust after the flesh? What is it, Lord, that causes my eyes to lust after the flesh, my ears to lust after all the world? What is it, God, in my life? When I'm inhabited by the power of God, what is it that stops me from breakthrough? I'll tell you what it is, disobedience. Because there's no one evil here. Some of you made some messes. But God is God of grace and mercy. How many of you just thank God every day? Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. But please, I ask you that this is an apostolic season. This, what that, does that mean? It means that there is a fivefold anointing coming on the church. We are not yet to preach good messages. We're yet to equip you. When people say, I'm an apostle, you know what I look for? I don't care if they can prophesy. I don't care for all the gifts. I'm looking for the sons that they can raise. Can they raise sons? Can they disciple sons and daughters? Can they pull the anointing out of you? Can they equip you? Can they send you? That's what apostles do. Apostles don't have an entourage. They set things in order. That's what apostles do. They set things in order. Amen? Come on. God wants to set you in order. Not because there's disorder, because there's greater potential. God wants you to, with all the stuff that you've invested into this house, you've invested and you've invested, every single one of you sitting here tonight have invested and invested and invested and invested. Not that you may have a nice building. This is beautiful. But you've invested so that you may see a harvest of souls so that they can come through those doors and you can spend time, days and weeks discipling them and bringing them into their identity and and positioning them and getting them to start to serve and do whatever God wants. And then you can say, hey guys, we're gonna start a church in Cape Town. Woo! And we're gonna start a church in Marabastat. And we're going to start a church in East London. And we're going to start a church in Botswana. And we're, going to st- and we're going to start planting churches because we have leaders coming out of our eyes, our ears. And we're not going to find Jonas amongst them. We are not a Jonah church. We're not a Jonah organization. We're in an organization of Simons and Pauls and James and Matthews and all these beautiful disciples, amen, that ran their race. And on Sunday morning, I'm speaking about Paul. And when he said, what did he mean when he said, I ran my race? What did he mean by that? And I'm going to speak about that on Sunday. But yeah, they started cast lots and it fell on Jonah. And it says this, it says this. And then they said to him, tell us, we pray on, pray you, on whose account has this evil come upon us? What is your occupation? Where did you come from? And what is your country and nationality? And he said to them, now listen to what he says. It's almost contradiction. He says, I'm a Hebrew and I fear and worship the Lord. Really? You wouldn't be there in the belly of the ship if you really fear the Lord. Do you know what I feel? This is what I feel. This is just my opinion, that the church today in the nations need a very, very bold makeover of the fear of the Lord. We don't have the fear of the Lord. 
There's no fear of God. This place here is holy ground. Be treated like it's a big party place. This is holy ground. How long have you been meeting here in this church? Seven years? Well, guess what this place has become? An altar. This place has become an altar before the Lord. This is an altar of worship. This is an altar of prayer. This has become an altar. We've got to start to discern what altar have you actually created in your homes? Have you created a prayer altar in your home? Have you created an altar of worship in your home? Because some of us, we just create all sorts of altars. You've got to go back and make sure that you haven't created an altar to your dead ancestors. Because some of us have. You've got to go back home and say, if this altar is not pleasing to God, I'm tearing it down. Amen, come on. Some of us have come into agreement with the wrong people and we've come into alignment and we've made covenants with people that are not godly and then we, make, we build these altars. Jacob did that with his father-in-law. Do you remember the story? His father-in-law chased him down because he took Laman. Uh, his name was Laman, was it Laman? Yes, Laban. And he chased them down and caught them and said, hey, somebody stole stuff out of my house. In the meantime, Jacob's wife, Rebecca, was sitting on all this stuff. I think she she stole like an idol. And then they start talking and and then Jacob makes an altar, builds an altar with Laban, comes into covenant. And guess what? Six, seven days later, Rebecca dies. And some of you are making all sorts of covenantal agreements with people that are not godly. And I'm telling you right now, you need to repent. Come on. Some of you, oh, well, my ancestors, you've got to get rid of that witchcraft in your life because you walk around with witchcraft and there's chaos over your life and then you can't get rid of it because you have an appetite. You see, let me tell you, the devil will give you an appetite for darkness. Jonah says something here that's like, whoa, Jonah, how on earth can you say this? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I reverentially fear and worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men who were exceedingly afraid said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he fled from being in the presence of the Lord. Stop fleeing from the presence of God because of your sin. Rather come running back. I remember when I was in trouble, when I messed up, when I was a young man, I never told my dad. I couldn't even come into my dad's presence. When I messed up, I ran from my father. But now as a son of God, when I mess up, I run to my papa. Don't run from him. Where is your Nineveh? I want you to write that down. Where is my Nineveh? What is my Nineveh? Who is my Nineveh? Am I on, on my way to Nineveh or am I on a ship to, go, to Joppa because I'm too afraid of his presence? How many of you are prophetic? Put your hand up. How many of you are prophetic? Put your hand up. Because you're coming into a prophetic season. You're a seer. God's going to sort of show you things by the Spirit. 
You're going to start operating by the Spirit. You can sense things. You can sense things. It's almost like you are like a guitar um, um, strand. And you're going to start feeling the vibrations of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to start picking things up. And God's going to start redirecting and showing you how to navigate through this new era. Because you're stepping into a new era. And there's like this wine-making anointing that's coming on you and your son. New wine and a new wineskin. Because you've been asking for it. You've been saying, God, it can't just be the same. And God says, even I'm going to show you how to find those people that want to produce the things of the God. Instead of hanging around the Esau's and, and just the consumers and the consumers. But I'm going to show you. I'm going to take you to populations of people. They're going to see revival. That's what you guys carry. And in this season, you've got to be prophetic. How many of you are prophetic? Put your arms. All of you put your hands up and just wave at me. All of you. All of you, put your hands up because the Bible says you're supposed to be a prophetic people. What does that mean? It means that God is going to start giving you instructions and assignments that may not fit your criteria. It's not going to fit into your head. Because we just want to do the easy stuff. God says, now I'm going to start showing you how to touch, how to actually engage nations. How to engage governments. Just in the last couple of years, somebody asked me, they said, would you meet with the governor of Alaska, Sarah Palin? How many of you have heard of Sarah Palin? I said, sure. I met with her. I've met with her twice. I've met with the governor of Hawaii. On Tuesday night, I was in right in the government's office in Johannesburg. The mayor's office is not a small little mayor's office. It's like a massive coliseum. Praying for the mayor. Walking around the chambers, praying, interceding, blowing the shofar, prophesying. That's how you engage stuff. Just say, my Nineveh. Oh, my Nineveh. I don't want to miss my Nineveh. I don't want to get on some ship and go in the opposite direction. I want to start seeing revival come. You guys are full of the Spirit of God. You're full of the things of God. Come on. You've been around for a long time. God is pouring out His Spirit. What is your name? Louis and Michelle. God says, I'm pouring out my Spirit in a greater measure on your lives. A greater measure of my anointing and my gifting and my insight and my understanding. It's like suddenly this, this mantle of God's glory is going to come on your life. And God's going to start to show you how to gain entrance into the, into the king's chamber and into people's chambers. And God says, I'm going to show you the business anointing that you carry to break open business and to bring back the plunder out of the kingdom of darkness. Amen. Stop thinking in millions. Start thinking in billions. You don't need a million. You need a billion. Well, pa, you know, Pastor David, I just, I need my budget. What's your budget? Oh, my budget's 2,000 rand a month. You've been in, you've been in Joppa too long. Come on, church. 
You don't have to manipulate people for God. Just go to the source. Okay, I'll land this thing in a second. Then we're going to move prophetically. Then he's, and the man was afraid. And then they said to him, what shall, we, what shall we do to you that the sea may subside and be calm for us? For the sea became even more violent. Disobedience will create chaos. And if you are in consistent turmoil, there's disobedience somewhere. Don't say amen, just say yes. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship to the land, but they could not for the sea became even more violent. So three times the, the sea went violent, more violent and much violent. And some of you have ignored the fact that your world is violent. Chaos. Everything's falling apart. Just go back to scale one and say, okay, God, I need to repent for my rebellion. I need to repent for disobedience. And God, I'm going to find my leaders and I'm going to connect to some leadership that will help me how to find my gifting and my anointing so that I can become obedient again. Is this okay? This is just the first night. It'll, it will get gooder. Because when I look around the room, I see people that are ready for supernatural encounters with God. People that are ready. That man over there with the green shirt on, you are ready. You and your wife are ready to see the glory of God. You are so ready to see breakthrough in your family. You are so ready to see God's kingdom come in areas of your life. You, my dear brother, have been yearning and crying out for encounters with God. And God says, all the pressure, all the pressure, all the resistance, all the times that you've been crying out, God, when are we going to see the light? When are we going to see the end of the tunnel? God says, this is going to be the weekend that I'm going to give you insight and, and innovation and ideas to see the end of the tunnel. Amen. This is going to be your year of jubilee. In actual fact, I believe by the end of December, you'll look back and say, this year was the best year we've ever had because God intervened right at the 11th hour. Amen, come on. Some of you have been praying and trusting God for breakthrough, but you, you stuck in your culture. You stuck in this cultural thing in your head. Get out of your culture. There's a culture of heaven that God is restoring on the earth. Get into that culture of heaven. Get into that anointing. Get into that place and say, God, I'm laying everything down. Because let me tell you right now, the moment that you took up the cross to follow Jesus, you lost your right to be offended. Let me say that again, because some of you are looking all over the room. With the minute you took up the Jesus' cross, you lost your right to be offended. The minute you took up the cross of Jesus, because you have to make, you have got to, you've got to decide, are you carrying your cross or His cross? Because some of you are carrying your cross, it's called self-pity. You've got to get His cross and say, okay God, now that I'm carrying your cross, I surrender all. I've lost my right to entitlement. I'm not entitled. We have the self-entitlement. I've lost the right to pride. Well, brother, I'm so proud. That's why you're in trouble. Pride comes before a fall, and God says He exalts the humble. Amen? And some of you got to go and revisit where you've come from and where, whether you're on the wrong ship. And if you're on the wrong ship, say, God, do me a Jonah. Do me like Jonah. Send a whale. I don't mind anything. Just 
Praise God, even a whale, there was a prophetic whale. The prophet, the whale was more prophetic than Jonah. It's like the donkey. How many of you know the story about the prophet sitting on the ass? Some of you have been sitting on the ass too long, on your donkey, and you're beating your donkey after death. Stop beating your donkey and just become obedient to the call. Okay. And so I'm not going to go into the rest of the story. I'm just going to end here. So it says here, so Jonah said to them, take me up, throw me into the sea. Nevertheless, the men row. They try to get the boat steered back. Therefore, they cried to the Lord, we beseech you, we beseech you, O Lord, we beseech you. Let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon his us innocent blood. So they took up Jonah and cast him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. What do you have to do in this season to get the sea to stop raging? Your family members are raging. Your finances are raging. People are raging against you. You've got to start doing a little bit of an inspection and say, God, am I the Jonah that's on the wrong ship? Do I have a Jonah on my ship? What do I have to cast overboard to stop the sea from being in turmoil? What do I need to do to attract the presence of God again? What do I need to do to get back to Nineveh again? God, I'll do whatever I want. Lord, listen to me. I was in Australia. God spoke a word to me and He said, I'm taking you to Australia. But that wasn't my Nineveh. It was my Brook Cherith. What did God do? It broke, what does Brook Cherith mean? It means a place of circumcision. So here I am in America. I arrived here in 95. God gives us a great ministry. By, by 2001, I'm arrogant. I'm proud. I'm full of myself. I'm just so cocky. I'm moving around the nations. God is doing, I'm on TBN. I'm sitting with the big preachers. I've got billboards. I've got a big cable television network. And God says, you are actually disobedient. Then he sends me to Australia, to a place called Toowoomba. Do you know what Toowoomba means? Come and eat worms. It's like, okay, God, you sent me to a place called come and eat worms. What is this about? He said, you're not, you're not going, to, you haven't been going to the Nineveh. I sent you, you became so entitled and so proud. I've had to bring you to Brook Cherith to circumcise your heart again. And then after 12 years, with great grace and mercy, God blessed us. My wife, who is a prophet, comes up to me and says, I need to speak to you. And when she points that little Jewish thing at me, I listen. My wife's Jewish, born again, spiritual Jew. She sat me down and said, God is saying it's time to get back to Nineveh. God is taking us back to America to the original plan and purpose of your ministry and our ministry. And when she said that, I had an Elizabeth moment. The baby in me leapt. We are back in America and guess what? I'm back in Nineveh. I'm running in my lane. This is my assignment. I'm seeing God touch. Come on, man. We are doing such amazing things around the world. On Monday, I leave to Belgium. I'm actually ministering in the Belgium parliament. A little boy from Sylvontain. Suddenly, God's saying, okay, you want Nineveh? I'll give you all the platforms you want. Amen, come on. 
So let's just wait on the Lord tonight. You can put some worship music on. But I want you to get the full understanding of what I'm saying. Amen. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's get into an attitude. You can hold hands. You've been married so long. How long have you been married? Listen to me. There's... I want to do this for the kingdom and I want to do that for the kingdom. And God says, I'm going to use your creative anointing. There's a creativity on you. This guy knows how to work, let me tell you. But God says, I'm going to give you a creative anointing. You're going to see things. It's like you're going to, you're going to plan events and you're going to do all sorts of stuff that are going to touch the lives of people. But the one thing that the Lord wants you to know tonight is that He is going to, he is going to restore your family. Don't give up. Because the more they run to Joppa, the more they're running from their Nineveh. So you've got to get into agreement with God. And don't say, well, whatever will be, will be. You've got to say, no, God, from this moment, we're going to put a stake in the ground with their names on. Amen. Come on. Because let me tell you, your Nineveh is going to be a place of great joy and blessing and satisfaction. Because you know what I found in life? There's so many people that aren't satisfied. They're dissatisfied. They're always dissatisfied. Always dissatisfied. Because they're not in their Nineveh. They're not running in their lane. Satisfied. God says, I'm going to satisfy you. I'm going to satisfy you. I'm going to touch you and minister to you like you've never been. It's like almost like the power and the virtue of Jesus is going to flow through your body. Amen. God says, I'm going to heal you physically in this season. Physical strength coming back to you. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? And I want you, as if I give you a prophetic word, I want you to tape it on a, on a phone or something so you can take it home. Thank you, Jesus. What is your name? Nomsa. Dumela, I'm, I'm learning now. You must help me. So can I say, how are you? Okay, so can I just say this? The Lord is saying to you, stay on the wall of intercession. Stay on the wall of intercession. Stay on the wall of prayer. Call those things that are not as if they are. Don't grow tired in doing good. Because sometimes you think, oh Lord, I'm all alone. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just, no, God says, no, I know exactly what you're doing. You're actually bringing my attention to your prayer life. Amen, come on. God doesn't want to leave you alone. Come on, brother. God says, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to bother you at night in your dreams. God says, I'm going to come and wake you up. Come on, you've yearned to see more of God. You've yearned for more of God, not just a little bit, a little taste. Amen, come on. Have you ever been to a restaurant and you ask for peri-peri sauce and they just take the, the pop and they wave it over the peri-peri sauce? I want the sauce on my pop, man. And some of you are just happy to get a little wave. God says, I'm gonna douse you in my glory. I'm gonna douse you in my favor.
I'm going to saturate you with my anointing so that when you walk around on the earth, you actually leave some oily marks behind. Thank you, Jesus. Can I tell you something, you and your wife? I don't know where your wife is, but I want to tell you right now, God can't keep His eyes off you. God can't keep His eyes off you and your wife. His eyes follow you around all the time because the Bible says, I'm looking for a generation. I'm looking for a man that will stand in the gap. And you guys have stood in the gap. You've waited on God. You've waited on God. You've waited on God. You've cried out to heaven. And I'm telling you, all of heaven, has, you have all of heaven's backing. Look at me. It's time to start to declare. I declare in the name of Jesus. I declare. I make declarations into the heavenlies over my nation. Amen. Come on. You are a marketplace apostle. Maybe nobody's ever said that, but I'm telling you, you are a marketplace apostle. What does that mean? You will redirect the traffic in the economy over your city. Amen, come on. It's like when you start to pray, I can just hear all the angels say, shh, 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 shh. she's praying. See, that's the value that you bring. Amen. This lady over here, what's your name? Shomane. Listen to me very clearly. God is restoring your identity back to you. He's putting identity on you and saying, you are my daughter. You are the apple of my eye. You are the rose of Sharon. Don't think for one second, God has missed anything you've said. God hasn't forgotten and he hasn't missed anything. Amen, come on. So you've got to go back to the drawing board. You know what that means? You've got to go back and say, God, I said this in 2014 and I said this in 2000 and I decreed this and I prayed this. God, I want to start to see the downloads of heaven not miss me anymore. Amen. Come on, it's on your life. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, just let's just focus on the King. Thank you, Lord. Listen to me, precious woman of God. Listen carefully. I want to just put my hands on you. Listen to me. You have done nothing wrong. Don't allow the enemy to say, well, you've done something wrong. It could have been like this or it could have been like that. The Lord says, I am on my throne. And I see and I manage and I oversee and I create. And Father God, tonight we thank you that this woman of God will know your mercy and your grace. Lord, she'll know the substance of your generosity. She'll know the substance of your creative authority. And I thank you, Jesus, that tonight as I lay hands on her, that you laying hands on her. Because Christ in me, the hope and glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, are you guys ready? 
What do you desire? Come up to the front. I want to lay hands on you. Come, both of you. Just come. Now you guys, just come to the front. This guy over here and this man over here. Come, just come. Yes, you, sir. That guy with the blue jacket on, come. With the blue jacket on, come. Come, sir. Yes, you. Thank you, Jesus. There'll be a lot of prophetic ministry over the next couple of days. Amen. Come on. Receive tonight. Just say, God, that's it. I'm not going to Joppa. I'm not going to be distracted by all the other stuff. You're not beholden. You're not connected to the economy of South Africa, my brother. You're connected to a whole different economy. Come on, you've got to start to say it. Hey, this economy is not going to tell me what I'm going to do. The economy of heaven is what I follow. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but no more losses, brother. More gains than losses. Everything is going to balance this here. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Come out here. You, sir. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. David and... Amen. I want you up here real quick. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What is your name? Jeff, what's your, what's your real name? What's your birth name? Jeffrey. Because God's given you a new name. There's a new name coming on you. New name, new anointing, new mantle, new understanding. New, new, it's almost like a fresh anointing, amen, to see and to hear and to perceive and to speak and to declare. And God says, I'm breaking you out of the little box everybody wants you to live in. Where do you rule? God says, how do you rule? You're not just ruling one little group. God says, I want you to know how to rule in the heavenly realms. I want you to be able to rule regions and territories. How do you think this nation's going to get healed? Through men that rule, rule the spiritual realm. Speaking the word with clarity. Come on, you've got a calling on your life, but you've—it's almost like you've got to—you've got to start to dot the i's and cross the t's. You've got to start to put things into alignment because of what you carry. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Look at me. You and your son create ecosystems. You create ecosystems. Wherever you go, you create an ecosystem of God's glory. It's almost like there's like this open heaven. There's like this portal. And you have not seen anything yet. You need an anointing, not just the compassion of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus actually gives you the anointing to raise the dead. To see the sick healed. To see the exploits of Jesus. Because the whole scripture in John 17 is for you. Jesus saying, you will do the things that I did, but even greater things. I want that to sink down into your spirit. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for this well. I just see wells. I see wells. I see wells. Wells in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. 
Brother, look at me. Look at me. You've got to go back to Nineveh. You've got to go back and say, God, I'm tired of the raging sea. I'm tired of the sea that's just in tumult. God, I need to find the right ship. I need to find the right connection. I need to find a place where I can get healed and restored. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to align me with some people that will take me on a journey of restoration and healing. And, and Lord, that all this brokenness and all this stuff that I'm carrying will get healed. Amen. Because God hasn't forgotten. And right now, you, you're so vulnerable. And God says, that's the best place you've ever been. But you've got to say, God, I need, my, I need to go back to Nineveh. I need to find the ship back to Nineveh. Amen. So that you can fulfill your destiny. So that you can get healed and restored. Because the, the anointing on your life, listen to me, the, anointing, the gifting is without repentance. But repentance is the key back into the purpose and the assignment. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Wells. And I just also feel geographical areas are going to close to you and some new ones are going to open to you. Because there have been times that you laid down your life with people that did not honor you. There was too much dishonor. It's like when Jesus went to his hometown and they said, we know who this guy is. And it says that Jesus could not do any great miracles. But there is a geographical area that's going to open to you that are going to absolutely embrace you. And in that area, you'll see exploits that you've been crying out to God for. You can go and be seated. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Thank you, Jesus. Look at me. How long is a piece of string? As long as you want it to be. What does that mean? It means you need to start asking God for deeper, deeper, deeper encounters with Him. Because encounters is where you receive the assignment. But it's not where we live. We're living in that place of habitation. The church wants encounters, but they don't want habitation. And there's healing coming there. Great healing, deep healing, so that you can speak to it from a place of authority. Amen? Come on. Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Desperate? Desmond. Don't tell me anything about him, please. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. But you're not just the pastor. You're a father of sons and daughters. There's a fathering anointing that's going to come on you. A fathering. Because everyone, everybody wants you to be their pastor. Come and scratch, come and scratch my back. Come and help us with this. Come and you are trying to do everything. And God says, no, I'm going to show you how to do my bidding, not everybody else's bidding. Amen. And God's going to give you downloads and revelation because obviously you are loved. But you've got to say, okay, God, I need to be like a father in the next season of my life. I need to move like a prophet in the next season of my life. I need to make sure that the sons that I'm raising up aren't rebellious sons. 
Come on. There's an anointing here. Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I, th- I feel the Lord saying there's an authenticity of my glory coming on you. Thank you, Jesus. Just hold hands here. Just put your hand in his hand, right here. Put your hand in his hand. There we are. What's your name? Willem N. Melissa. The winter's come to an end. It's like I just see this thing lifting off you and God saying, I'm going to clothe you with my glory, with my peace, with my joy, with my, there's just so much integrity on your lives. And the Lord's saying, you know what, that leadership anointing that you thought that you, thought you didn't have, God says, I'm going to show you that you actually do have leadership. Amen. Your winter has come to an end. No more winters. It's like you're waiting that God has big, or got a big sambok. No, that's not Papa. Your Papa God is sitting on his throne with great compassion for you. He loves you. He wants to see you fulfill your destiny. Amen? Because you have a heart for men. And God wants to start to stir that up. Amen? You've got this, like, this thing. You just want to organize everything. And so you've got to step back in and say, okay, there's a call for Nineveh. What do we do? How do we engage Nineveh? Amen? Because you have what it takes to become what God wants you to be. Thank you, Jesus. Are you guys married? Are you engaged? Then you shouldn't be holding hands. Now we're going to say, son, I'm no lot scam for. Listen to me. You're a son. And the one thing that God, what is your name? Ruan. Man, that's a strong name. Ruan. You know what Ruah means? Wind. Ruach means the wind of God, the presence of God. Are you born again? You need to be. You need to ask Jesus into your life, man. It's not a big deal. We don't have to kill any sheep. We don't have to kill a chicken. We don't even have to light a candle. We just pray a prayer. Have you, are you born again? Hallelujah. But I don't want you to give your life to the Lord tonight because you want to marry her. You need to give your life to the Lord because you're interested in your eternity. And that you want to have a life of great success and blessing and breakthrough. That you're not always wondering, I wonder if I'm the real deal. I wonder if I'm a real son. Tonight you can know that you're a son of the living God. So I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you rose again for me. And tonight by faith, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. Lord Jesus, thank you for your precious blood that washes me and cleanses me. Lord Jesus, tonight, I turn around and now follow you. Give him a big hand. Now you're born again. Now you received the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, What happened in that instant, you received a brand new spirit. God washed away your sin, and now you are sinless. Jesus is a clean barbecue now. Vandaag is your tweede verjaarsdag. Sonder die koek. So remember the date. And say, tonight I gave my life to Jesus. Have you got a Bible? Read it. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Just start reading the New Testament until you understand what that is all about. Then you can go and read, you know, Leviticus. But just start reading John. Start reading Romans and start understanding. This is what happened to me. This is what God did with me. Amen. What is your name? Nadine. Nadine. How many songs have you written? Why not? Because there's such a worship anointing on you. It's a beautiful worship, creative anointing on you. You have a heart for people. You have a heart for cities. You, you have such compassion. But it's like God wants to just stir you up there. He wants to start to stir you up, move you from membership. Because it's almost like, I need to find a church. I need to find, yeah, I need to find it. God says, no, just come commit here. Yeah. Which church do you go to? Then stay there. But you've got to get into a place where you start allowing God to move you from just sitting and listening to a place where you can become actively involved in the purposes of God. You carry too much of God in you to sit and not do anything. You have a teaching anointing on you. Strong teaching anointing. You have a, like a coaching anointing. Mentorship anointing. And this guy over here has such an engineering anointing. What do you do? He's an engineer. So why do you think that God is actually saying that to you? Because He wants you to know that He knows who you are. But you've got to get around an environment that's going to help you to understand that this is not about membership. This is about your assignment. And, I, and years to come, I just see God giving you innovative ideas that's going to help you. I see you're going to have three to four streams of income. God's going to bless you. Amen. Come on. How long have you guys been hanging? What's a while? If it's more than two years, you need to do it God's way. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. And I'm telling you, you'll come out on top. Amen. Honor each other. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. Do it God's way. Amen. And God will bless you because what I see here, I see an officer and a gentleman. That's what I see. And God can trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Have, have we got still some time? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Say, I'm going to my Nineveh. Nineveh. What you need, my brother, is you need some strong fathers to come around you and help you through this season. To get you healed. To get you strong. To get you to a place where there's, you know, I don't know what you've been going through, but I want to tell you, God is a redeemer. But you need to surrender to Him. 100%. And God will make a way for you, I'm telling you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want you to do this for me this weekend. Tomorrow night, I want this place packed with people that are hopeless. People that are sick. People that need a prophetic word or just need the word of the Lord. I want you to get on the phone tonight and say, God is moving. Come on, church. This is not about just getting a crowd. We can rent a crowd. But what we need is the church, you, all sitting here, to say, you know what, I'm going to go back into my Nineveh. 
A man got saved tonight. Come on, give God a hand. You guys sitting in the back there, come out here. That pretty couple over there, come. This lady with the black, come. Just come, yes. And your daughter, is that your daughter? Come. Husband? Husband, come, you, come. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Stand next to your husband. Are you guys married? Engaged? When are you going to pop the question? Give me your time. How long have you known her? Ah, you're right there. But I want to tell you, there's a call of God on your lives. There's a call of God on your life. This is a time to step in and say, okay, God, show us what we ought to do. Because you've been faithful in the little, God is going to make you ruler over much. You've been really faithful. And you've got to understand honor. Amen. If the way you honor her today is the way she'll honor you tomorrow. You've got to hear what I'm saying. Honor is a big deal to God. And it's like you've been waiting so long. But God says, I'm going to honor you because of your faithfulness. And I just feel, um, um, Apostle Renata and, and, and um, Yaku, I really feel strongly to say this to you. She's going to be carrying such a strong anointing to preach. And you are going to hand over the baton to her one day. And she's going to operate from this platform with great authority. She is a daughter of the house. And God is going to use her. So you must buy a good verstaan what you're about to get into. Because you're not just dealing with her, you're dealing with us. And those two people sitting there. Isn't this your daughter? So you're dealing with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So are you ready to take on responsibility because years from now, it's ministry. In Buderay slash business. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. What's your name? Ian. Madeleine and? Nadia. I feel you coming into a season of great restoration, reconciliation, and restitution. There is God's opening up the windows of heaven over you and the things that you did not see. I just see like a three-year period of drought and, and just things taken, things just disappearing, things that you thought you had. And God says, I'm going to restore back to you everything that the canker worm has eaten. Amen. This is going to be a season of restoration. This is going to be a season of healing for you. Supernatural healing. Everything that was taken from you, God is going to give back to you. And you're going to see your daughter healed. You're going to see this young woman healed. So that this arrowhead that God's putting together will actually fulfill its calling. Because the arrow can't fly without the feathers, brother. And God says, I'm going to reestablish and restore this arrow. Not only the arrowhead, but the shaft and the feathers are going to all come into alignment. And she's the feathers. Healing. Healing. What's your name, honey? Nadia? God's going to heal you. Every mental mindset, 
problem that you have had, had to fight, God says, I'm healing you. I want to make a big, big declaration. You do not have bipolar. In Jesus' name. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Because when God created you and put you together in your mother's womb, it was perfect. And the enemies try to come in this time of your life and say to you, no, this is wrong, that's wrong. And it's like this stuff has gone into your mind. And God says tonight, I'm going to give you supernatural freedom. You don't have a demon, honey. God's going to give you freedom. God's going to set you free from a mindset that has got you into a place of captivity. I see a beautiful, spontaneous, supernatural young woman full of gifting, full of talent, full of worship, full of song, full of stuff. You can write stuff. You can draw stuff. You can paint stuff. And God says tonight, I'm getting your mind set free. Your mind is going to be free. In Jesus' name. And what you're going to have to do, and you're going to have to do from tonight, you're going to have to start declaring and decreeing and speaking great Great truth into her again. Come on, give God a hand. Is that true? Was that word from the Lord? You see, we need to weigh everything. And God is saying the reason why that little girl there has that destiny on her so, Father, we just thank you. I just feel such an anointing here for healing. And I want everybody, I want everybody's eyes closed right now. And I just want to ask one question. No one walking around, no one looking around, no one distracted now. I want you to say, and in your heart, say, Lord, am I on my way to Nineveh? I want you to say it in your heart. Lord, where is my Nineveh? If I, what I said tonight pricked your heart, there was a con, there's almost a little bit of a conviction there. I want you to put your hand up and say, Brother David, please pray for me. I need to know where my Nineveh is. Put your, just put your hand up. If you just, I said it tonight and you're just like, Lord, where is my Nineveh? Just put your hand up by faith. That doesn't mean that you're disobedient. That means that you are passionate about the assignment that God has for you. So Lord, tonight as these people have reached out their hand by faith. God, I thank you that you will show them so clearly that they have a Nineveh. They've not missed it. They're not running to Joppa. But God, I thank you that tonight that you will bring download after download, that you would confirm, that you would confirm to them, that you would confirm. I just feel in your life, God says, I'm gonna show you when you need to stop, where you need to stop a little bit, where you need to just get a little bit of R and are. There's times in your life that you said, God, I've given and I've given. I just need a little bit of a break. God says, I'm going to show you, daughter of Zion, where you're going to just sit, Biki. Biki sit That's what you need. God says, I'm going to show you when because of your, your wonderful passion and your compassion for people. There's been times that you said, God, I don't want to miss it. And God says, you've never missed it. But I'm going to show you when to rest and when to go and when to speak. I'm going to show you because in this season, I just see a download coming. 
downloads coming, downloads coming. Some of you are sitting here, I'm telling you, your Nineveh's at hand. Start to write it down as a prophetic declaration and say, God, I thank you that my Nineveh is just in my reach. And God, by faith, I'm going to step in and I'm going to take hold of my Nineveh. If it's radical change church, then let it be this church. Amen. Come on. If it's the city, let it be the city. If it's the hospital, let it be the hospital. If it's the, the schools in the area, let it be the schools. If it's the if it's the parliament, let it be the parliament. If it's the education system, whatever it is, please find your Nineveh. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Tomorrow night, I want to speak about honor. Honor really attracts the anointing. The way you honor attracts the anointing. There's three examples in the Bible. And I want to tell you the one thing that's crept into the church is dishonor and familiarity. So we become familiar with the presence of God. We become familiar with the, with the leadership. We become familiar with the presence of God. And God doesn't visit familiarity. He's attracted to honor. Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Thank you so much. I love you. Thanks for tuning into Radical Change Ministries. Subscribe for more. 